All right. The light is red. That must mean the broadcast is on. And welcome to what I like to call the BBC. Not that BBC. The Brent Broadcasting Channel. That BBC. And it's another week. And, you know, I've been having such really great conversations uh, really since I've been sheltered in place uh, over the last four or five months or so. And this one is going to be just as good as any that I've done over that last four months, because we're going to be talking about how you can successfully build virtual teams. And since a lot of us are still sheltering in place and we still need to get things done, and there's only so many minutes in the day for each of us to do it ourselves, you need to start thinking about how you can build successful, not just a virtual team, because sometimes you build a virtual team and it's not all that successful for you. So we're going to be talking about how you can build successful virtual teams. And we are here with the BizSugar Advisory Board and valuable members of the BizSugar community. Uh, we've got about six folks. Wait a minute. I want to, wait. There's actually another person who kind of snuck in. And I'm going to bring her in because she is a valuable, very valuable member of the BizSugar Advisory Group. Hey. Gardner. We want to bring him in. So I'm going to introduce... Uh, just shortly, just a just quick introductions because what we want to do is really just kind of have a round robin conversation to talk about lessons learned, hacks that have worked, maybe things to avoid when it comes to building a virtual team and to build a successful one that will be specifically for your needs to help grow your business. So uh, I'm just going to look at my screen and kind of just go <laughs> right to left or left to right or whatever. But right? I see even a tailor who is right next to me. There she is, DIY Marketers. Say hello. Hi, everyone. That was a nice hello. Okay, <laughs> next next to Anita, oh, next to Anita, next to Ivana is Anita Campbell, who is the uh, publisher of Small Business Trends. And she's also, of course, one of the folks, the foundational folks for Biz Sugar. Anita, thanks for joining us. Brent, thanks for hosting. Thanks to all the board members and important people here. I really appreciate it. Wow. This is so exciting. Absolutely. And now uh, the person who is next in line for my viewpoint is Gail Gardner. Gail is like the rock when it comes to the Biz Sugar community. She's the one holding it down. She's the one passing around, making connections, making sure people know what's going on with the community. So Gail, say hello and thank you for being here. Thanks, Brent. Hello, everyone. Yeah, you got a really good connection. That was a real, it almost sounded like you're in the room right next to me. That's kind of interesting. You're in Oklahoma, though. That's nice. All right. Next to Gail is David Elkins. So David is with our, our foundational partner, Zoho, and he's a valuable part of the advisory board, too. So David, and you're in Austin. So David, thank you for joining us today. Of course. Thanks for having me. Next to David is somebody who is literally somebody I could actually see in five or ten minutes if i wasn't sheltering in place but uh atlanta based monique johnson uh she is one of the leading video experts especially live streaming folks uh, if you really want to know about live streaming you want to talk to her monique thank you for joining us thank you for having me and i'm excited about uh today's topic good i'm glad you're excited that's great and let's see what happened where's martin martin all the way from, I think it's Sweden. Sweden. Martin, 
Martin, are you there? Because I, I don't see you anywhere, but it, it says you're here with us. Martin, are you there? Wow, that's a shame. Well, hopefully, Martin, keep trying to come back in because we definitely want to hear from you uh, about some of your tips about building virtual teams. And so, so oh, wait a minute. There's another Martin. <laughs> Let me try this, Martin. Martin, are, are you there? Both Martins are gone. How, how can we have two Martins and, and still no Martins? All right, Martin, keep trying to join us there. We'll, we'll, we'll try to make sure you get in. All right, so once, once again, I kind of wanted to set the stage. This is going to be a casual conversation. This is not going to be a formal presentation. This is going to be you know, a, group, a group of people just sharing tips and tricks and hacks on what's worked for them building virtual teams. And quite honestly, a lot of these folks have been building virtual teams over years. It's not just something they started because of the, the virus situation. This is something that they've been doing years and years and years and have gained a lot of insight and expertise and tips that uh, we thought would be helpful for you because some of you may just be beginning to be starting your virtual team because of the situation. So maybe this will help help you do it a little bit smarter and to learn from some folks who you know, have gone through the good, the bad, the ugly uh, situation. So I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm going to go to Anita first. Anita, um, maybe before we start getting into the tips and tricks piece, why don't you just tell us why it's important to figure out and, and how do you figure out when you should do it yourself, when you should try to automate it, and when you should just go and build yourself a virtual team? How do you know to, what's the best way to go about answering those questions? See, I'm a big believer in uh, doing uh, everything. I'm a big believer in automating where you can, first of all, because it's almost always going to be cheaper and you're going to get more um, what, what I would call data that you can use if you automate, use software for as much as you can. However, you, there are things that you just can't automate and you shouldn't automate, definitely should not. I mean, we were just talking in our team meeting earlier about the need to have personality, you know, to bring personality into your business. And I think that's important for any small business. You've got to give people something to remember your business by and personality, whether it's the people involved or the personality or your brand or whatever it is, that all matters. And that all comes from people. And today you can get so much of that by people working remotely and virtually. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've done is I've assembled a team really by people self-selecting. And what I mean by that is people who became interested in us and then they became on the team. You know, I, it's not necessarily that I went out and I recruited someone, but like if I look at all the people on this call today, these are all people who just somehow became interested in us. Um, you know, I've known Martin since I started online and that's because Martin came and visited my site and he started commenting and I got to know him. And, you know, it's been 17 years now, all the way from Stockholm, Sweden. And I'm sorry, Gothenburg, not Stockholm, Gothenburg. And, uh, you know, I've never met him in person, but I feel like I know him. So I do feel it's really important to use every advantage that you can. And that's a combination of things. Anybody else want to chime in on that one? I do want to chime in. I think I'm going to chime in and... Um, I'm going to jump in as the book editor 
working with Anita. That was fun. That's how she and I got connected. Um, but, you know, if you've read the book, The E-Myth, and it, if you haven't, pick it up and read it again because Michael Burke Gerber gives some excellent tips on outsourcing, right? So the first tip is that you've got to document your processes. And sometimes that's just a simple, it's honestly, do you know what I did? I just sat down and for about 30 days, I kept a time log. I kept a time log. I used a tool, like Anita says, I used a tool and I kept a time log to keep track of what I did and how long it took to do this thing. Then once you've done that, you're starting to notice, you'll see patterns. You'll see that there are financial things that you're doing, like invoicing and stuff like that. Then there were uh, physical things I was doing, such as like, you know, um, writing an article. So there was research involved and all, the, all these different steps of things that you're doing. You're not going to know what you're doing until you document it and get a real picture of what's happening. And then this is the best tip ever from the EMF. Once you've got your long list of tasks already done, pick out the ones that only you can do. This kind of harkens back to the other way, what Anita said, <laughs> which is the personality. I can outsource a lot of things. And I know, don't be fooled, DIY marketers. There are things you absolutely do need to outsource. And then there are things you absolutely cannot outsource. But I cannot outsource my being here with you guys. Yeah. Only I can do that. Only I want to do that. <laughs> but that just simply doing those simple tasks. Then if you've done those tasks, now you can start grouping them. These are financial things. These are marketing things. These are social media things. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, people always wonder how I do so much with so little. And that is the secret. Pick up the e-myth. Hmm. That's a nice tip. David, look like you're tip. about to say I love it. <laughs> Yeah, I was just, I um, even uh, made me think a little bit about um, the early stages of my team. And in, in the beginning, my, my, so my team, I run a team of, at this point, 12 editors um, who work with our product teams in um, Chennai, India. That's where all of Zoho's products are built um, and all of our marketers are located. And so my team is sort of a localized team for the US helping to support those marketing efforts. Um, and I was thinking about in the beginning when we were first starting to set up this process of how, you know, we have 45 different products. Each product has, you know, between three and 15 marketers. And that's that's hundreds of, of people involved in these sorts of things. Um, and I remembered uh, an early an early uh, struggle that we had, which was the amount of sort of um, mental bandwidth that was taken up by not having things automated, by trying to manage everything in our own heads, by trying to make sure that, um, you know, every every T got crossed, every I got dotted, um, that really ate up a ton of bandwidth. And I think that that's something that's, and that's true for any managerial position, but, um, but when you shift to remote, um, it means that you have to do so much of that stuff kind of internal to your own mind instead of being able to say, hey, can you uh, can you take care of this? Can you take a look at this? Um, so what we did is we, um, you know, we we built a custom app um, to help manage that process. So, you know, depending on the complexity of what you're doing, um, in some cases, you can find things that are going to be uh, solutions that are going to, you know, tools that will work out of the box. 
in some cases, depending on, you know, on what your, how complex your systems are, or how complex your processes are. Sometimes putting together something that's fully tailored to exactly what you're doing um, can be a huge lifesaver. I mean, my team edits, I mean, I think probably we've edited, I think, I think the at last count it was about 5 million words of content. Um, and, uh, and if we had, if we didn't have, if I were, if I were trying to do that, how we did it in the beginning, which was someone would send me an email and then I'd like write down on a, on a yellow legal pad. Um, oh, remember to edit this document. Um, we, I, I would, I would, uh, I would have, have, um, lost my mind. So, um, I think that that's a big, you know, sort of building off of what even I was saying and that idea of, you know, like take a look at the things that you're, that you're, uh, that are eating up a lot of your time and also eating a lot of, a lot of your like mental energy. Cause sometimes these little things like keeping track of, you know, all of the requests that come in, that's not going to take a ton of time, but it will take a ton of energy. And I think energy is also an important, um, uh, an important resource to conserve when you're working with a remote team. I, I would like to also jump in here real quick, Brent. So um, I love that book, even us. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, and even just building off of what you said and David said, and, you know, cause there are some people out there who, okay, who might be listening to this or watching us and say, oh man, I got to do a lot of typing and a lot of writing. Well, you guys know I'm the video person. And in today's world, with the tools and everything, don't make it so hard on yourself to document your process. There's different tools out there from Loom to Upfree to Paid where you can just screen share what are the things that you're doing and creating what um, even I was saying, stand, SOP, standard operating procedures, so that when it's time for you to hire or outsource to build this virtual team, is not like, you know, you bring someone on and it's like, oh, what do I tell them? Or go read this document. A lot of times video, especially if they're small and succinct and, you know, people are very much visual learners as well, have the written documentation like David said, but I would also say take the video and even have it transcribed even. And if you have to update a new video for any updates, you retranscribe it. But having both helps with, um, you know, tackling different modalities that we have. Um, but I think that helps a lot when it comes to building a virtual team. Uh, all right. This is cool. And I'm actually going to bring in, I want to throw in a little comment there. It's our, but my buddy, Alan Burks. And yeah, he, he has some really good uh, thoughts in this because he's been working virtually for like, I don't know, 12, at least 7, 20 years, something like that. Good, good, good feedback there. But I'm going to bring in uh, a friend of mine and somebody who I've known for years has done, don't look like I don't have friends. You, when I said friend of mine, you immediately scrunched up. I don't understand that. I should just take you off right now, but I won't because you have valuable content to add. So the guy that was scrunching his face up when I said he was my friend is John Colderice Lawson. Thanks for joining us. I think. Yes. So, okay. Hey John. So, <laughs> hey John. Hey John. So I, I wanted to bring you on right now because I know you you've done a lot in terms of uh, hiring virtual workers over the years, and I wanted to ask you kind of some of your tips about how to go about finding the right virtual help because I know you put them through like little tests to make sure they're paying attention and all these kinds of things. So tell us a little bit about how you get the right person in the right team? What do you ask them? And how do you make sure that they're right for you? 
Um, okay, so most of my virtuals I hired from uh, the Philippines, okay? And I used onlinejobs.ph, all right? Onlinejobs.ph versus any of the other ones. I've tried other ones. Um, but when it came to actually adding full team members, um, I found that one to be the best. One of the things that I do and I suggest everybody do is that I hide um, codes inside of my text for the uh, ad for the worker. So what I mean by that is that if I'm looking for a worker, I'll say this is job number 75124, right? But I'll put that at the very end. You have to say job number 7124 um, in your response. And that way, I'll know if they read it or not. Because so many workers like that, whether they're in you know Fiverr or any other place, they'll bid on your job, but they're bidding on everybody's job and they won't read the description at all. So if you hide little things like that in, that's one of the key things that I do. The other one, this is a big key thing, because like I said, I'm, I'm hiring people for my, my team. For these, these are people I want to depend on. I mean, um, and so I asked one question during the interview. I say, where do you see yourself in the next three to five years, right? And I ask that question. If they answer to that question, well, I see myself being, you know, a doctor or a dentist as I, as I finish my school. I'm not hiring your ass. That's not who I want. If you answer to me, I can see me being a team lead and helping you, you know, grow your business. That's the person I want. So I will see little, little things like that to really see the intention of the people. And another thing is, if you're hiring these workers, um, you know, um, I, I, I just think it's better to hire a full-time worker than a part-time worker, especially when you're talking about, you know, the Philippines where you're paying them, you know, I mean, literally 20%, even 10% of what you would pay a U.S. worker. Why not? You know, if you got them, if you're paying 10% of them, why put them on part-time? Put them on full-time so they have your... I don't want people moonlighting. I don't wow. want people working for two and three clients. You work for me. You work with me. I need your full attention. So those are three things I think are very key. First, making sure that you you know hide some stuff in there so you know they read your description. Seed questions to make sure that they're going to stay with your organization because you're spending a lot of effort by training these people and they they have a lot of your you know um like she said standard operating procedures you know it's one thing to write them down and make other people read them but to have that person that actually does that well stay around is very important and then third like i said no moonlighting you can't moonlight wow Julie, okay I got a question yeah. for you so, so my question for you is, do you have your people in the Philippines work your hours or work their hours or it doesn't matter? I Okay. So if I want people to work my hours, then I hire in South America. Ah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I got team members in the South America that work same hours as me. And I got team members in the Philippines. Philippines I like because I can have work 
going through my head right now. I go to bed, I wake up, it's done. Right. So I, re I actually do prefer most times for, you know, Philippine workers. The only worker that I have down south is somebody that actually answers phones during business hours. And that's the only reason why I have them down there. I want to add something, John, because you brought up this idea. I love your tips about the code and I love your question. And I actually have a question that I ask. And my question is called the one thing. What is the one thing you love to do all day long? You can't even believe you're getting paid to do this. You do it well. It's easy for you. And you, you just love it. That's my favorite question because... Um, it's just such a win-win. Um, I, if, if there's a specific thing that I need done, oh, you know, I think I might've talked about this before. I hired a bookkeeper and I said, what is the one thing you love to do? And she said, I love to fix people's quick book messes. I'm like, well, <laughs> I am for you. And the interesting thing about that the, the the reason that became a defining moment for me when she said that was that there is someone, no matter what you detest doing, that's difficult for you, that you don't like to do, there is someone who loves doing that hmm. and can't believe that you're going to pay them to do this thing. Right, right, right. Hey, hey real quick, you mentioned onlinejobs.ph. Uh, what's the other place that you go? You said you hire... Folks in South America, is there another site you use to find those people or? Upworks. Mm. Upworks. Okay. Upworks. And, and that's another thing too. It's like Upworks. Uh, the problem with Upwork is that you're competing with the platform for pricing, right? So the platform takes part of their price as a fee. And the deal, so that makes the hiring on that platform more expensive, right? Mm -hmm. But I often take people from that platform and then, you know, if I've got a, a job and I just want some quick people to work on it, I'll use Upwork. If I find somebody that I really like working with there, I'll say, hey, you know, I've got a position that could be a long-term position for you. Would you be interested? And we start having that conversation. And then that's when I get them to regular pricing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Nice. Oh, okay. That's so. Um, how do you manage folks? Let's let's throw that out. So, well, first, so there's online jobs, whatever that was. I think I put up there. You got Upworks. Before we start talking about managing these folks, where else do you go to find potential candidates for your virtual teams? Um, Fiverr, of course. I'm sure everybody does that. Was that thunder? That was me. I told oh. you it's raining. <laughs> that was serious thunder. Over that there. Was, okay. I'm telling you. All right. So we got Fiverr. What? Anybody else have a, a good place to go find help? I, I'll give you one. I, I do a lot of transcriptions, and Rev is great for me. Uh, they they can turn around like a 15 minute transcription in two hours or less, and yeah. it's really well done. And that's that's part of being virtual too. I don't I don't know the person who's doing it. Right. I just put my my request in, and they find you know they do the matching of the person who would be the best fit for doing this job, and they handle all of that stuff. So that's part of 
I consider Rev to be a virtual team, even if it's not an individual person. It helps me to get my stuff done. So I use Rev. What are some of the other places that people are using? Honestly, for me, um, you know, one thing about building a, a virtual team is if you're if you're if it's going to be a full time team where you're really expecting it to be a very kind of cohesive environment of people. Um, I I find actually. Um, this may not be a very satisfying answer, but I find personal recommendation to be really important when building a virtual team. Um, if I'm hiring somebody locally, I know I'm going to be able to sit down with that person. We're going to build a rapport. You know, there's going to be trust that'll build over time. But when you're switching to um, a, a fully virtual process, especially one that isn't easy to set clear metrics and benchmarks, where it's like, you know, I, I need you to transcribe, you know. 5,000 words a day and you know that that's that's easy to measure things that are harder to measure um, I really feel that that personal connection is important because having a little bit of that rapport having a little bit of sort of social consequence if that person ends up being flaky or you know or or, or not you know not really stepping up to the job um, I do think that you know I do think that that for those permanent teams that you're building I mean honestly you know pulling from pulling from social networks and you know your your personal social networks is is really helpful for for me the most successful remote, remote hires that I've done have have come in through that source yeah that's a good point it's especially like when uh covid really hit several people were getting rid of their team members you know and i went into several groups and said you know hey anybody you know getting rid of somebody that needs a full timer and I got a person from that just by recommendations and people do that all the time, you know? So that's a good place too. You can go to Facebook groups, business groups and ask them and they'll make good recommendations. So I've got a couple of suggestions also. Uh, first, um, you know, we use our website. So we've recruited a lot of freelance writers just by having a link in the footer that says looking for writers. Uh, you attach it to a form and then have people fill out the form, just ask them a few bits of information and you can screen people that way. So that has worked out really well for us. Another thing then that we've done is we've tapped into our existing uh, freelancers also. So if you get one person working with you, you can tap into them. So for example, we had someone from Ethiopia who wrote for us for a number of years and we talked with him and he said, yeah, I know several people. And I'd love to get them involved. And so he actually recruited other people locally for us to help write and to do some SEO work and so on. So that worked out really, really well. Yeah, there's, there's, it sounds almost like there's, there is no set way to build your virtual team. <laughs> there's a lot of different ways. And it, I guess it depends on what your comfort level is with, you know, somebody who you might never meet versus somebody that you'd like to meet and you'd like to kind of be a little closer to. So that's, it, it depends once again on your comfort level. There's no cookie cutter way, apparently. That's good to know. All right, we're gonna try bringing in our, our buddy from Sweden, Martin Lindeskug. Martin, are, are you there? Yes, you hear me? <laughs> hey, Martin. We can hear you and we can see you. So it's good to, to have you join us and we didn't want to leave you out of the conversation so we just finished up talking about uh where do you go to find virtual team members and kind of what do you do to try to make sure you get the right person so we wanted to throw it open to you 
and uh, hear your thoughts on on those topics. Yeah, that's a good uh, good thing. I think you could use new media in different ways to find them on the net and be an active uh, member of uh, forums, for example, and sites. And then look out, uh, for example, having a podcast when you learn new stuff, how you could find people and also what kind of tools. As I said, I am not working for Slack or endorsed by Slack, but I gave that as my tip. Uh, I, I didn't know how to use it. But when a co-host of my podcast, uh, Productivity, Productivity and Tea, and also Pen Meets Piper, Johan Gustafsson, he uh, mentioned, shouldn't we try to uh, test Slack? We have test Trello, we have test uh, uh, Dropbox Paper and all kinds of different ones. And then uh, after you knew how to use it, it was pretty easy. Uh, and then you could have different rooms, different topics, and also invite uh, listeners uh, to it. But it takes some time to, to, to get used to it. But there, uh, you know, Slack often startup companies and so on saying before we launch something, join our Slack community and talk about uh, how we should develop this program and so on. And I think uh, they have been very successful to get this user, um, how to say, endorsement. Uh, they want to use this tool. And then it's getting ingrained in the culture, in the companies and so on. That's why they have been so big. But as a, again, it's only a tool. So how to find freelancer? I think you search for net, um, but also having hair as you have a nice community. Uh, get uh, no like and trust. And that's right. how you get uh, connections with freelancers and so on. And also you could learn from exchange, from cultures, languages, uh, different markets, local markets. Hey, Gail, uh we don't we don't see you on screen, so but we don't want to forget you. Uh, we want to bring you into the conversation as well. And I know you work with a ton of different people, so give us some of your uh, your tips and some of the things that have worked best for you, doing what you do with community building and working with a lot of different people. Yeah, well, I've been working online entirely for over twenty years, and I do work with people in a dozen countries or so, and I've had VAs in the Philippines and in India. And the best way I find people is I find one good one and then they get me other people. Because in those two countries, there are big companies who hire a bunch of people, train them up on a particular skill. And then when their contract with whomever is up, let them all go at the same time. And so it's pretty easy for you to get one and then have them let you know, oh, their, their contract is going to be up at X time. How many do you want? And pick them up that way. And so that's how I find the people. But the best way for me is they have to communicate the way I communicate. So in my case, I don't like email. I have so much email that makes my head explode. So they have to use Skype, right? So all the people that I work with, all my collaborators and all of my clients even, and all my VAs all use Skype so that I can message them and expect a live response within a, a reasonable amount of time. Whereas I feel like you email somebody, it drops into a bucket somewhere and who knows if they'll ever see it. And so that's for me. And I also use project management systems. I use Trello, I use Zoho Connect, I use Write for different things. <laughs> different people and different groups are in different project management systems. And I love project management systems. If you've never done one, pick Trello first. It's free. It's very visual. You can get your 
process is very uh, structured and you can make checklists. Like when I get a new person, I have a very detailed checklist and everything they do, I said, okay, start this one. Here's your checklist. I want you to check it off as you do it. <clears throat> then go to the next one. Same checklist is in there. Check that off as you do it. So I know that they're really doing what I'm asking them to do, right? Is if they check it off and I go check and they didn't really do it, then I know that, you know, we're gonna have a come to Jesus moment and they're gonna either, you know, learn to do it the way I ask. That's a problem you'll run into. They will just decide to stop doing it the way you've asked and do it some other way. So you can't really just delegate and forget. You have to check and make sure they're really doing it, what you asked them to do and didn't just suddenly decide to go do something weird out there, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, it happens sometimes. I've had one girl, she just suddenly started doing it the wrong way. And I said, why are you doing that? She goes, well, I just decided to do it that way. And I went, I, I don't want you to do that, okay? <laughs> don't do that anymore. But, but you know, you, you point out something really important, Gail, and that's, I forget who said this, someone famous said, uh, inspect what you expect from people. And I've always followed that advice when it comes to management, that you really have to inspect what you expect. You can't just let people go and and assume that it's being done right, because like you said, someone may just decide one day, well, I'll do it a different way. And, and it may be a better way, or it may not be a better way. That's the problem. This is the important point. I think this is where the whole DIY thing comes in. And I, I've worked with a few people who aren't really sure what they expect. And then they think that by handing it over to someone that they're going to do it better somehow. And unfortunately, I'm actually living through this like right now. You have got to know exactly what you want done and how you want to do it. Just like Gail does. You need to know do the process once and then take up Monique's idea. And I use this a lot. I screen share instructions. I not, I not only go through the process and write the process down, I actually tell the person what I'm thinking as I do this. What questions am I asking myself? I might have to go up on the screen or down on the screen and I tell them, this is what I'm doing. You know, Anita, when we ran the book awards, and we would get hundreds and hundreds of submissions and those submissions needed to be cleaned up. And I was doing it all myself. And I'm like, I think I need some help. <laughs> and I did it that way. And it was done perfectly because I specifically explained what I was thinking, why I was thinking this. So you've got to know how the thing is done how it needs to be done and why it needs to be done a certain way. And if you have a better way, you need to talk to me about it first. Yeah, I have a question. Yeah, I have a question. I, I, <laughs> what? I said, I, I wave to you, David. I, I yield the floor to you. Well, I feel like a lot of what we've been talking about are, you know, ways to expand a core team by pulling in, um, I mean, you know, to some degree, like relatively um, inexperienced team members to work remotely. How do you, like, and this can be open to anybody, how do you guys um, involve somebody who is more experienced? Because in some cases, like, I'm not a designer, I don't know what the design for, you know, for the new whatever should be. 
Um, so I need to go and rely on the expertise and the experience of some professional. Um, but again, that's a lot harder in a remote context. It's a lot easier when you can sit down with somebody and kind of like have that conversation in person and you, you can you know, explore that relationship a little bit more. Is there, is there a different process that you use when you're involving somebody who's a more, who's, you know, who you're having to cede more power to even at the early stages of the process? Yes. That's more of a traditional hire in terms of the process you might go through for me. Um, then I'm going to want to see your portfolio of work. I want to speak to three or four or five of you know pe people that you've worked for. Um, another thing I will do, and this works well for me on Fiverr. Let's say I want a page design, you know, or let's say I want a whole website design. Let's say that's what I want. I want a website design, right? First thing I will do there is I will hire page. I will put a single page design up. All right. So I want you to what I'll do is say, hey, I want you to design a single page for me, Right. And then I will hire three or four people to do the exact same thing. Hmm. And then from those three or four. So you say, you know, they'll say, oh, it'll cost you 20 bucks. OK, great. So instead of a twenty dollar job. I turned it into an $80 job or $60 job, hired three people, find the one that does it the way I want it with the best process, and then they become the guy I hire for the entire project. And I have another one for that. Once again, I keep going into, there are certain things you do have to know. Eventually, you got to know. You know, to use your design example, and this is actually true for SEO and all kinds of different things, right? But you got to know exactly who you're looking for. Right. So in my world, I happen to know that there are two kinds of designers. Right. There are designers who are idea people and that you can give them something very, very general and they will come back to you with a design. And then there are designers. And that's what I use fiber for people who will do exactly what you want, the way you want it. Like I'm not a designer, but I might know exactly what I want. And that's a very specific type of person that I'm looking for. So in I have found, because I have hired designers and gotten amazing work from people I've never met. And I actually use 99designs and I will invest a little bit more, especially if it's more important, right? But like the same is true for SEO people because like everyone will say they're an SEO person, but there's a difference between on-page SEO and technical SEO and content SEO and like 500 other things that I don't, know nearly enough about but the way you learn is by screwing it up and i've made that mistake way too many times and i don't know who talked about this uh but i think everyone has mentioned this idea of going and talking to your network and you know the, I, I got some fantastic seo help just this past week and all i did was talk to an analytics guy i'm like i want someone to tell me this i'm confused about this and he said oh you need to talk to so and so i'm like oh and make all the difference. Yeah. All right. This this has been a lot of great tips. All positive tips. Give me like something that folks need to avoid. Give me like instead of the good, instead of the bad, give me the ugly. What's like the worst thing that has happened when you've gone through this process and you thought you'd made the right move and it was the absolute wrong move? I want to hear those stories as well. Whoever wants to jump in, jump in. 
All right, fine. I'll tell you what. <laughs> so I had a guy and he was great at designing, you know, the designs I would do. He was great at it. And um, one day, so, cause you never got into tools. So I'm going to give you the tool. So, so I got a new tool called Hubstaff and what Hubstaff will do is it'll take screenshots during the work hours, you know, just like they do on Upworks. So it's like the thing you get on Upworks, you get this, it's called Hubstaff. So, um, so we implemented Hubstaff and I started looking at his screen captures and he was doing all kinds of other crap, right? So he was so good at what he was doing that he would get it done rather quickly. And while the other, you know, for the other time he'd be screwing off. What really pissed me off though, is that he would have typos. And I'm like, bro, if you've got this much time to be, you know, surfing <laughs> the web and looking at stuff, you should have zero typos, right? And so I caught him, I called him out on that one day and he got a little attitude with me. Well, you didn't say I had to do work the whole eight hours. It was just my project. I was like, you know what? Don't worry about it. You don't have any more projects. <laughs> that day, you know, because I'm like, you know, that wasn't really cool. But long story short, he wrote to me just like two weeks ago and uh, he asked for a recommendation. I gave him a recommendation based on his work. And then he asked if I had any other work that I would be interested. You know, we kept a good relationship afterwards because he was trying to apologize. But I, I was like, the problem really with him was he was too entrepreneurial, for real. That's really what his problem was. Because when I was looking at what he was looking at, I'm like, whoa, you're trying to get my business. You should know. <laughs> wow. So you know, yeah, I, that, I, he was a good guy. I find that uh, one of the issues is um, with remote workers, sometimes they will stop engaging with you. And uh, we've had people go silent for days, yeah. weeks, at a time, um, particularly people who are like developers, software developers, they want to get into projects and they'll just go like, you won't hear them. You can't reach them. You know, they just won't respond. And um, that is a challenge when that happens, when, you know, what we try to do on our core team is I go out of my way to greet everybody every morning. It's like walking in the office and saying, hello, you just walk in, hey, how are you doing today? You know, and some people will engage, but you'd be shocked how many, you know, won't even respond and and say, fine, how are you? Just a simple, how are you? They'll, they'll just, you know, they'll launch into like a litany of everything that's wrong in their world. <laughs> You're like, okay, <laughs> I'm glad I greeted you, but I really didn't want to hear every <laughs> problem that you had here. And you really try to get people to engage. And I, if I had one piece of advice for remote workers, it would be, you know, learn, learn to engage a little bit in a positive way with your employer, you know, respond back and ask how they're doing instead of, you know, just not asking anything, you know, or people who give these like one, one word answers, like, yeah, you know, like, okay, do you, do you have any idea how that tone comes across, you know? So I, you know, I let stuff like that sort of slide by, but, but you'd be shocked how many people you know, communicate that way. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Has anybody else run into that? I mean, I would say that there's a, I mean, a big part of that is the, the struggles that we all face when you're, when you're managing a remote team or when you're engaging with somebody remotely, when we're dealing with each other in person, 
first of all, it feels like it's not out of the ordinary for me to strike up a little conversation about you or with you about what you did yesterday or over the weekend. But I think that with remote tools and with remote teams, it's really easy to fall into a culture of purely um, sort of uh, action-oriented business. And I do think that it's important as if you're managing a, a, a team of um, a team where you're really hoping for there to be cohesiveness and communication. Um, I actually build in uh, I, in my sort of own mental model. I build in a certain amount of like wasted time, um, which you know, like if you're if you're if you're project managing and you're really like trying to, to keep everything tight, you say, well, uh, you know, I don't really have time to talk with you for 15 minutes about you know what Netflix show you're watching. But I really see that as investing in the culture of the team and investing in that relationship and investing in building that engagement. Because if somebody, if I, you know, if all I am is a, a series of, you know, of demands, then that person's not going to feel as um, there's going to be a, a higher barrier to to that communication flowing really naturally as it would in a, in a physical space. So I do think that that's also a, a big thing that you have to watch out for. Um, because when you don't see the people around you, when you're working remotely, you do have to really focus, you, you know, you have to keep an eye on productivity because, you know, somebody could be on Facebook for eight hours instead of, instead of actually doing the job. But the counter, the counter, um, sort of concern for that is I think you still have to recognize that these are people and building that relationship, even if it's, even if you're not thinking about it in the sort of like, you know, lovey dovey, touchy feely way, like that relationship is value in a professional context. There's value to that that um, I think it's really easy to, to, um, to uh, lose sight of when you're worrying about things like, you know, a, a, an hourly productivity rate or something like that. So it's, a, it's really a balancing act. I think I want to, I know we're almost coming to an end here. Oh, is that you, Gail? Go ahead, Gail. Oh, that's okay. I was just going to say that you have to recognize a little bit that there are introverts and extroverts and they are so different. So like me, when someone comes to me on Skype and they say, hi, and I'll say, hi, and they say, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I, I'm like, for, as an introvert, I hate that. It's like, come on Skype, tell me what you need. But I, I do make an effort when I first interact with someone to go on audio and have a real conversation. And the first conversation with a new collaborator might take an might last an hour. I mean, we get to know each other and talk about what's important and what are you good at and what kind of work do you want me to refer to you, you know, and and we have a real live, honest conversation. And I think that really helps. And with the people that I do that periodically, I might not talk to them for months. I mean, they may be doing work, I'm doing work, we're throwing work at each other. And, but every once in a while, we'll say, you know, we'll say something personal and we'll have a little chat. And I think that's really important. But be aware when you talk to people, whether they're extroverts or introverts, and it's really easy to tell. If they are really bad at chit chat, they're an introvert. And most writers are introverts. A lot of creatives are introverts. The worst communicators are developers. Like Anita said, they just disappear for a month and you can't get a hold of them. And the better a developer they are, the worse they are about doing that, usually. And it's just like, yeah. oh, well, they're also terrible at documenting anything. They just magically expect you to figure it all out. Yeah. But it's just a difference of people. I mean, that's that's the main thing to remember. Everybody isn't just like you. They have to kind of adapt to how they are, right? And I want to say something to the freelancers out there. If you want to work with someone 
you have to do it their way. Like I hate email, but if they really want to email, I've got to do email, right? If you want to work with someone and they really want you to come on Skype so they can talk to you live when you're working, whatever hours that is, then you kind of have to do that or they're not a good fit for you. And I think I wanted to add that as the business owner, so my message is to the business owners or the team leads out there, right? You know, they're, they're, I would really, really recommend that you read up on managing high performing work teams and pick a model. My favorite model is called the Drexler Sibit model. It's done by Grove Consultants and it's wonderful. I call it a self-healing model. So there's like a couple questions that you can have one-to-one -one conversations with like Gail was talking about, right? The first is you wanna understand who that person is and why you're considering them to be part of the team because the number one thing someone wants to do is know why they're part of your team. What gift are they bringing? You want to make sure that everyone on the team can trust each other to deliver on what needs to be delivered. You need to make sure that your instructions are clear. I really recommend that read up on some team models, team building models, team managing models. Like I said, Drexler Sibbet is my favorite. It's the best. Once you learn it, you can't unlearn it and you can't stop doing it even if you want to. So um, that takes care of all of those upfront issues and makes a lot of eventual problems go away. Hey, I want to, I want to dovetail on something. God, you're going to hate me. I have never talked to my team members. Ever. I'm with you. I've never talked to it. I mean, I've worked with a one that's three years, never been on the phone with them or on a conference call or anything. One thing I will tell you, since I say I do a lot in, uh, you know, the Philippines, you really want to understand culture. The difference in culture can be a big thing, especially for my Philippine workers. Filipino workers want to please you. They want to 100 please. I mean, I can't get them to stop calling me Mr. John. You know, at first I wanted them to just call me John. No, it has to be Mr. John because that's just part of their culture, right? But also what's part of their culture it's hard to get them to give you feedback on their current work. Everything's good. Everything's perfect. Everything, you know? So when I'm like, well, what can we do for improvements? How can we make that better? That process was something that I had to really instill in them because they felt as if they said that, you know, John, this is not efficient. Why don't we do it this way? They felt like that would be against the culture of pleasing me as their boss. So it was very uh, unique kind of teeth puller. At first I was really frustrated. So you want to know the culture also of, of the people and, and, and how they work. Wow. We, I, I think we could probably go on for another hour, but I guess wrap things up. I, I, this has been a great conversation. I, I learned a lot, uh, but I want to kind of maybe do a round Robin last tip or trick or tool that you'd like to share. We you heard some tools. Uh, are there any like to, to be able to manage the relationship, the engagement? Is there some kind of platform? I know Gail talked about project management. Uh, maybe uh, if there are other tools that you use to manage the relationships you have with, with the uh, virtual team members, that might be helpful. I know uh, Martin, you mentioned Slack. Uh, David, I know Zoho has, a bazillion apps, so maybe you could share a couple that
that you think people could uh, leverage to help get this process going? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Zoho has a bunch of different types of, of products that fit for different sizes of teams and different styles of project management. So um, we have something like Zoho Projects or Zoho Sprints that can be that's a really um, tight project management platform. Um, we also have something like Zoho Click, which allows you to do that sort of Slack conversation, creating groups that really like ad hoc um, in real time uh, conversation. Um, Gail mentioned Zoho Connect, um, which is really a place to create an environment of conversation, a, a community, so people can go on there and and um, you know post their their experiences, and then everyone can debate in the in the comments. So you know, really, my advice is you know think really clearly about what types of communication you're trying to encourage. If you want instantaneous response, then find a tool like Zoho Click that will allow you to have that immediate connection with people. If you want to strike up a conversation where multiple people can be jumping in, um, maybe something like Slack or Click isn't a, a great idea because you can't very easily reference back to what was said, you know, two days ago. So um, I would say just really think about like what are you know think think really critically about what you're trying to accomplish and what kinds of communication you're hoping for, um, and then find a tool that's going to fit that model. Don't try to fit your you know don't don't try to fit your organization into the tool fit the tool to to your organization anybody else want to jump in with a, a last thought yeah i'm gonna dovetail on what david said so i'm gonna say don't even think tools think suites right because what you're saying about you know the suite of tools that you can use in zoho if you just go ahead and say look we're going to use this suite of tools versus you need a login for your Slack, a login for your Twitter, a login for your Google Docs, and it just gets so overwhelming. If you get a good suite of tools and just make that and put that over your organization, that really does help and save a lot of time. Good stuff right there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wanna add one thing and that is, um, you know, you just have to trust people um, and I think trust is hard for entrepreneurs, especially if you're a hard charger and you're used to being in control and, you know, you want to do everything your, your own way. And you're going to be dealing with people you've never met um, who could be, you know, thousands of miles away. Uh, and so you just, at some point, you just have to trust in them to do that and give them the space to do what they need to do. I mean, I can't emphasize that enough. Mm-hmm. Gail, any last thoughts? No like and yeah, trust, as John Yamshi saying on referral engine. Okay. All right, go on once, go on twice. Gail, you, you got one there? Want to sneak in before we yeah, close I, it up? I was going to say, <clears throat> the thing to do is get with someone who uses these tools you're thinking about and have them show you. Because you can look at it and pretty quick say, oh, that's awful, I hate that. Or, oh, that could work. Like when I found Trello, I was the Trello person. I trained 200 people to use Trello because it was so perfectly what I'd been looking for for a decade, right? <laughs> and so then I got Zoho Connect and it's got kind of a Trello inside of it. So the Biz Sugar group uses Zoho Connect and my VAs mostly use Trello because it's way easier to train someone to use it. And then my complex projects use Wright Enterprise, which is, pretty powerful over the top. So I have to train people. It takes longer. 
and I only use that for bigger projects that I need the tracking, right? I want to see every message that goes between the client and the person doing it. So I'm the intermediary and so the person that, that I assign the work and then the person that I assign it to interacts with the client and I can see everything. So if things start going the wrong direction, I can jump in and, and mediate it back to a good even keel. So if somebody wants to see any of those things, they can contact me through the Biz Sugar community and I can actually screen share with them and show them how these tools work. And I can tell them like Skype works for me because I work with a lot of different people on different projects. Slack, not so much because Slack works great if you have a team, one team, you're all in one Slack. But ever try to use like a dozen different Slacks? It's not so much fun, <laughs> right? So that's why we use Skype. But if I only had Zoho Connect, I could use Click instead and everybody would already be right there. So that's a, a great point. Having too many logins, you have to document this stuff. You have to give them a list. Don't expect people to be as organized as you are. You need to be the organizer and hand them the organize, organized processes, logins, everything in one place. So they can't like, what they'll do is they can't remember how to get in. So they just won't get in. And then a week later, you'll find out they're not doing it because they forgot how to get in. Right? <laughs> So that's why processes have to be documented in writing. Videos are great for training, but they still need to be documented as a checklist. So that's my thoughts. Don't go and grab any project management system. Find someone that uses it and have them show you what it does and how they use it before you commit. Because some of them are pretty pricey. And, you know, it may turn out to be something you absolutely detest. If you can't get team buy-in, it won't happen. You have to there love it is. enough to get them to love it, to get them to use it. And it's up to you to teach them how. And if you don't do that, it won't work for you. So don't waste your money if you won't train the people. So that's and the congregation time. says, amen. <laughs> that was a sermon that Gail just delivered. It was a good sermon. That was a great way to end it. But Gail, I want you to pitch how people can join the community because you are the voice of the community. So how can people join up? All right, so it's simple. Go to bizsugar.com and there's a tab at the top that says mastermind. You can click there and put your email in or you can go to bizsugar.com forward slash mastermind, get to the same place. Or if you know me, I'm everywhere. I'm GrowMap on every social platform and you can just message me somewhere and I'll add you and put you in directly. And maybe by joining, you might be the 20,000th member because we're coming up on that. We should actually do something special yeah. for the person who comes, who is the 20,000th member. We'll figure out. Yeah. So somebody join up. If you are the 20,000th member, we are going to do something special for you. We just have to figure out what it is. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a great hour. I mean, it's uh, right on the dot hour. So I'd like to thank everybody who joined and sent comments. And, of course, everybody who... On the, on the live stream itself for all the great uh, tips and trips and things to do and things to avoid because having a virtual team now more than ever is probably one of the keys to growing a successful business. So this will all be, uh, this has been recorded so you can come back and listen. We'll post it all over Biz Sugar and uh, enjoy the rest of your day and the week and hope that you got a lot out of this because I know I did. So thanks again, and we will see you the next time we do a live stream, probably sometime next month. We'll let you know exactly when and what the uh, 
the subject matter will be. But thanks again for joining us. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks, everyone. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.